Hello and welcome to Future Fundamentals, the podcast direct from the Chief Investment Office at Deutsche Bank's private bank that takes a long-term look at investment challenges. And in this episode, we're taking on one of the most important issues in the move towards a circular and sustainable economy, measurement. They say you can't do it if you can't measure it. So how do you measure something as complex and ephemeral as sustainability? It's complex because it's multi-dimensional, you know. It's possible in some ways, like emissions or energy, but evaluating the broader implications, such as long-term benefits, that actually poses challenges. If I, as a company, doesn't know my negative cause-effect relationship to the environment I'm dependent on, how can then an investor have a positive expectation about my returns? I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm joined by two people who spend much of their time thinking about how to better measure and analyse the impacts of sustainable business practices. Regular listeners to Future Fundamentals will know Marcus Muller. He's the Chief Investment Officer for ESG at Deutsche Bank's private bank and an economist by training. Marcus, good to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you very much, Guy, for having me and uh, nice to meet you also. And it's now a spoiler maybe, but nice to um, meet you also, Anna. Yes, so Anna-Katerina Meyer has a CV as long as your arm, so we'll go with a sort of brief version. Amongst other things, she's a member of the Club of Rome. She's a co-founder of Finding Sustainia Think and Action Lab. And most importantly for this topic, she's just completing a PhD in accounting and controlling in the sustainability arena at the University of Dusseldorf. Uh, Anna, welcome to Future Fundamentals. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm slightly daunted by your CV, if I'm honest, but let's get going and start talking about this. Marcus, perhaps I'll sort of come to you first. This might sound like a bit of a stupid question, but how important is measurement in this sort of newish world of sustainability? Yeah, you already, Guy, mentioned the old mantra, right, which rings true for most businesses. What gets measured gets managed, right? But if we now think about this new world, so this new dimension, ESG, means the environmental, social, but also the governance aspect or the question of how businesses are affecting nature, yeah, I would say um, that measurements often fail to provide insights, insights to the underlying processes. Because if we think about it, the underlying processes lead to action, which then leads to a negative impact in the most cases to the world we are living in. And this is a place which um, it is important to look deeper into and to find actionable information in order to change exactly these processes. I hope it was not too complicated, but I tried to make my point that this old mantra is maybe not really anymore so valid in this in this new world where ESG must be considered in our actions. Yeah, Anna, do you agree with that? I very much like uh, the term of actionable information because from my point of view, sustainability should be at the heart of any business strategies and being a decision maker in a company means that you shouldn't be afraid of seeing the whole picture. And and when when we're talking about this, again, perhaps a stupid question, but what are we actually trying to measure? What what do we want to be able to see? I would say that for 
the different companies, it's always something different they want to see. So every decision maker needs to have an idea. So what is my thought through information system? So which actionable information do I want to receive from the data gathered, from the measurement? And then it should be the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> so you should not be afraid to really understand what's going on in all these areas. And all these areas means the environmental and societal impacts your business activities have. Yeah, I absolutely agree with, with what Anna said. And especially from an investor's point of view, but also from a financing point of view, it's at most important to understand the cause and effect relationship. And in this, I think we, we really have to be clear that, again, what are investors trading at the markets? Or what are bankers trying to finance? They try to finance future, a potential outcome out of a business activity. An investor plays it from the other side, wants to capture the future in the sense of the positive return. If I, as a company, doesn't know my negative cause-effect relationship to the environment I'm dependent on, how can then an investor have a positive expectation about my returns? How can then a bank, for instance, see a positive outcome from my business model? I would like to get financed by the bank. So this means um, that this cause-effect relationship is really the importance we now need to work out further. And we know this from economics already. So uh, that all makes perfect sense. And, and, and we're, we're, in a minute, I want to start talking about the sort of the nitty gritty, uh, which is a very English expression, the nitty gritty of, of what makes measurement difficult or easy or, or, or whatever. But just before we do that, can I just throw a spanner into the works and, and ask, are there situations where actually measurement just gets in the way? Are there situations where organizations could be doing great things, but they, they're never going to be able to measure it? So they say, well, let's not do that because we're not going to be able to prove anything and people will think we're wasting time. Does, it, does, does that ever happen, Anna? Of course. I talk to many decision makers and often they say, oh, now that's an add-on cost we now face and this is actually not what what we were looking forward to. And um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. And this is time and resources which we are missing then for execution, for implementation. So what I'm always telling them is that, of course, I ask myself every day in the morning, so do I rather plan well or do I execute well? And it's not an either or decision, but I would say that you, that there is a lot of power in all the data you gather and that it, it actually makes your decision-making, your strategies a lot stronger. And if, if I may add Guy and, and Anna to, to what you just have said. So if we think about the mantra we, we um, mentioned at the beginning, I would, I would augment this a little bit and I would say, what you don't understand, you don't get managed. So this, I think, is, is here the important question. 
Because if you do not understand what you are doing, you might run into a limitation, which you do not know immediately, but which will um, materialize over time. And this is something what we try to avoid with exactly also the impact towards nature. We want to avoid that our businesses are running into nature-related financial risk, be it physical risk, operational risk, liability risk, and transformative risk. And this is something which, which needs to be underlined and supported by a new degree of curiosity also in organizations. So I think I've assumed uh, all the way through this conversation so far that there are particular issues and difficulties with measuring, with measurement in, in this field. And I, am I right to make that assumption? Is it particularly difficult, measurement in this area? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded quite yeah, depressed yeah, for a but, moment but, there. But this difficulty, and maybe Anna will say this now, is, is, not, is not a reason not to try to do it, right? Because um, many, many years ago, decades ago, we also haven't measured what we measure today. And, and I think um, we now need to embrace a kind of new renaissance of, of bringing, bringing maybe things back what we have forgotten because we have already measured our nation wealth based on the resources we have. But now we need to enhance this also by the natural resources, etc. Um, and, and this is something which is for me really a huge, positive, innovative way of how we develop further in order to protect the world we are living in because we're dependent on it. If we wouldn't do this, we would mess it up completely. So Anna, without your, the whole of your PhD, uh, what makes it difficult and, and, and how do you get past those difficulties? It's complex because it's multidimensional, you know. It's, if you have conventional financial metrics, um, that's a lot easier and more tangible. If you have sustainability and you want to quantify sustainability, it's possible in some ways, uh, like emissions or energy. Uh, this is pretty straightforward. But um, evaluating the broader implications, such as long-term benefits or not benefits for the environment, environmental resilience, that actually poses challenges. But for decision makers and people who are not that much into the topic, um, it's also nice to use pictures showing you if you and your activities are part of the solution or part of the problem. And I like the book of um, Dr. Daniel Dan. He developed the sustainability zero line. And everything what's above this line is actually positive uh, and which is uh, below the line is negative. And you can take this in cultures, cultural uh, aspects social aspects, environmental aspects, and you can map your activities. But how much acceptance is there, is there at the moment of, of the sort of metrics that are being used in, in, in that area, do you think? It's the value of preserving ecosystems, for example, or the true costs of depleting resources. These are intangible factors, but we have uh, an idea on how to evaluate these. So there is already a lot of science behind these 
concept as well. Not everything is as simple as emissions and energy related aspects, but um, yeah, we're, we are getting there and there's also methodology in these fields evolving. Um, there's, there are initiatives like, for example, the United Nations System of Environmental Economic Accounting, the UNSEEA, and yeah, all of this is vital for having a level playing field for reports where we all play with the same playbook at hand. Yeah. And then maybe um, if I quickly may add to this, so we have the IS, ISSB, the International Sustainability Standard Board, which is really the leading body in the IFRS, International Financial Reporting Standard System, to provide standards for sustainability reporting. In, and we just had the announcement in summer, so in June this year, that the ISSB will take over the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. And also in future, we will feed in there the TNFD, Task Force for Nature-Related Financial Disclosure, and so on. So now based on these various bottom-up and top-down initiatives. They are now getting organized through themselves, through this ISSB standard body, which we all globally follow, in order to exactly get to the point you mentioned, Guy, that we can compare from company to company, one ton of carbon is one ton of carbon. Yeah. Mean species abundance is mean species abundance, and so on. But this takes time. This is an evolution with a revolutionary character but not in the speed of a revolution a thought does occur to me that you know all those acronyms the un this the whatever <laughs> etc there, there are a lot of them and i sort of wonder whether maybe they're they're more accepted by people who are in that sort of world than they are by people who are hard-nosed business it, and investors it the same isn't it the same guy with all transformations so with all transform transformative forces we see in our society, the incumbent generation has its challenges. But the upcoming new generations, the emerging generation, they embrace it. And um, I think in um, if we now also look at the universities, what it's getting taught there, sustainability and all these standards are becoming more and more part of the curricula. This means that maybe in one generation time, there is not any more acid debate as we, we currently have about what it means or what it will lead to because it will be then a new normal. And um, maybe I can add for all these acronyms, uh, it's not needed that the public understands what is the difference between ISSB and all the other ones Marcus mentioned. It's very much an expert discourse um, and from my point of view, it's very important to have it now more streamlined than it was before. But still, there is a lot to criticize of um, the work of the ISSB from my point of view. But then there are others, again, criticizing different aspects. So these are discussions on a pretty high level of expertise where it's really about, yeah, methodologies. So, I, I, a question I haven't actually asked yet is how we're doing. 
at this already. I mean, obviously, there is a certain amount of ESG reporting in financial reporting already uh, that we know about. But as a overall, how do you feel we're we're doing so far? In general, I'm I'm quite comfortable with 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 the development we've seen so far. But of course, time is a little bit um, running against us. But last but not least, the commonality in all of this is an emphasis on doing and learning. Right. So we need to do and we need to learn, um, and not just to debate. Um, but we also have to reflect and to do it then better than before. The biggest challenge really is that decision makers are not yet willing to see the full picture of their activities. And for real change within companies, it's more important to have specific metrics in place, which are specific for your company and to really see the full picture of your activities and then use this data to maybe even generate new business models. It's not enough to just lower your emissions or just save some energy. And Marcus, is there, a, is there a, an opportunity for, for pressure on companies to do what Anna is talking about, to come from uh, the likes of yourself, actually, and, and, and the investment community to, 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 to get to a better, a more rounded place? Yeah, I think we will see it, and and our surveys, which we have conducted so far, so far, really show that our clients and the investors want to have exactly this positive tilt um, in in their portfolios through the corporate activities, and this this means that they want to see a real change in in the world they're living. On the other side, as said, change means facing also uncomfortable decisions you need to make in order to remain relevant. So um, if you do not do this as a company, you very likely will disappear, right? Because if our hypothesis is right, that the business world will and has to drive and change towards more sustainability, it means that if they don't do it, they will become irrelevant. And, and therefore, I think this is a question of survival. Uh, maybe, maybe we could finish this but with a, a, a question about the, the way you, you approach the whole thing. Do you think there's a sort of tipping point when it does move in companies' minds, if, if a company can have a mind, from, from being about risk mitigation towards a more positive, we can ben- a, a business benefit? thing is it is that is there a tipping point where actually everything will 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 change much more quickly as a result of that do you think yeah i think um incorporating sustainability into financial reporting is pivotal marcus even said it's it's life-saving or something like that because um if you do not have this holistic view in a as a ceo you cannot make strategic decisions as they are needed right now and um, I once was in a board meeting where a CEO always stressed that if it's not displayed in the balance sheet it doesn't exist in their decision making 
And um, if we only have this financial reporting and maybe in parallel sustainability aspects displayed, it overlooks um, the real impacts of the company. And I have the feeling that also employees often do not really know about all the impacts their company has because it's just not talked about, not displayed. But if it is, so if the KPIs, the key performance indicators become wider, this is also quite um, encouraging for employees. Yeah, I have nothing, nothing to add except that I think in a world, especially in the global north, where societies really having reached a dedicated level of saturation, that um, identifying themselves with such a nature or ESG compliant business purpose, we have and face a complete different motivation based on a complete different set of self-efficacy questions. Um, and, and I think this is quite, quite interesting for companies to go, to go in this direction. And maybe let me use a very extreme example. Just a society who is ready to abandon fossil fuel will abandon fossil fuel. Just a society who is ready to appreciate ESG will appreciate ESG. Controversially, it means, and we've seen this in Europe in the energy crisis, if we are not ready to embrace renewable energy and we run into a scarcity situation as we've done now, um, then we have to pay the cost. So either you are smart and you adapt to societal needs and to the reality the world around you is showing to you, degradation of nature, or you wait until you have to, to adapt and then it's for you rather a needed action in form of cost than an taking an opportunity. And how, how confident, Anna, are you that, that we are heading in the right direction and that, that, that you know, we can harness measurement as a, as a tool for improvement in this area? I'm a confident person in general, but um, there has been times when, when there was just no response to my optimism from, from the business perspective. But talking of today, I have the feeling that businesses are really starting to wake up and to get it. So it's still a rough road, sure. Um, but I imagine if we are stepping up to the plate with data, determination and a fierce sense of urgency, it's no longer an option um, not to look at it or to just dip our toes in. It's about... Um, how to say, plunging headfirst into that whole endeavor, which, yeah, we cannot just ignore. Well, listen, thank you both very much for that. I, I, while we were talking, I came up with my own metric for this conversation, of, of thought, a, a metric of whether it, how thought-provoking it's been. And I, on a scale of uh, 0 to 10, I think we've hit 11 in the thought-provoking <laughs> stage. Uh, so it so, means, means we are net positive. We are in, we're a net, <laughs> near a net positive podcast this time around, at least. So, so both of you, thank you so much uh, for being part of this and, and, and for doing that. If all that is done is whet your appetite for more information about sustainable investing, you can find it at deutschewealth.com. There's all sorts of information there to, to delve into. Uh, as I say, thank you, uh, Marcus and Anna. Thank you both very much for being here. Thank you for listening and see you next time. 
In Europe, Middle East and Africa, as well as in Asia-Pacific, this podcast may be considered marketing material, but this is not the case in the US. No assurance can be given that any forecast or target can be achieved. Forecasts are based on assumptions, estimates, opinions and hypothetical models which may prove to be incorrect. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Performance refers to a nominal value based on price gains and losses and does not take into account inflation. Inflation will have a negative impact on the purchasing power of this nominal monetary value. Depending on the current level of inflation, this may lead to a real loss in value, even if the nominal performance of the investment is positive. Investments come with risk. The value of an investment can fall as well as rise, and you might not get back the amount originally invested at any point in time. Your capital may be at risk. The services described in this podcast are provided by Deutsche Bank AG or by its subsidiaries and or affiliates in accordance with appropriate local legislation and regulation. Deutsche Bank AG is subject to comprehensive supervision by the European Central Bank, by Germany's Federal Financial Supervisory Authority and by Germany's Central Bank. Brokerage services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated a broker-dealer and registered investment advisor which conducts investment banking and securities activities in the United States. Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated is a member of FINRA, NYSE and SIPC. Lending and banking services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Trust Company Americas, member FDIC and other members of the Deutsche Bank Group. The products, services, information and or materials referred to within this podcast may not be available for residents of certain jurisdictions. Copyright 2022 Deutsche Bank AG and or its subsidiaries. All rights reserved. This podcast may not be used, reproduced, copied or modified without the written consent of Deutsche Bank AG.